I'm going to go ahead and hit the red button and uh, let us begin. So off the, uh, well, let me welcome you first and foremost to the Rex Crim Show, and thanks for taking the time. I wonder how I should refer to you. What, uh, what name do you like to be uh, identified as in this conversation? Uh, you can just call me Mike, it's fine. Mike. My, uh, I, I go by an alter ego named Rex on the show, but my, officially uh, my friends call me Mike as well. So two mics don't make a right, as they say. <laughs> well, that's, that's the problem. The, I had my name uh, changed, which is why I'm okay with being called Mike. And I was changed because I had too many people in my family who were called Mike. <laughs> right. Well, it's common enough, um, yeah. um, you know, to keep discreet. And that's sort of the the key, I guess, to making sense of this sensitive topic. I invited you on, Mike, uh, and you were gracious to agree to come on. Um, I, I wonder if you can just highlight for anyone that's tuning in, you know, the, the theme of what this conversation will, uh, will focus on. Well, I think the theme would be uh, incel as a, as a definition. And definitionally, obviously, it's centered around, I should say the broadest academical definition is an individual who, while attempting to seek a relationship, is not able to have one. Uh, typically, you have to be attempting to make an honest effort, usually somewhere between six months and a year, some variation on that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there are now increasingly different uh connotations that join the community but at the most base level that's the that's the bare minimum mm -hmm. i want to really unfold this and make sense of um the idea of incel culture or you know what it means to be um an incel i think it should be clear anyone listening that incel stands for involuntary uh, involuntary celibacy um which which you know could mean a variety of things to different uh, people. So I'm interested in your perspective, Mike, and I invite you to to be uh, as candid as you're willing to be. Um, but I like to always begin by giving a sense of context for who I'm sitting down with and chatting with. Um, would you be willing to share a little bit about your current circumstances? Where where in the world are you at the moment? Uh, well, at the moment, I. Uh... I'm in New York. Uh, I've been based there going to school at a law school there. Uh, and I have always been in the New York metropolitan area for my youth growing up uh, straight through to college and then obviously into graduate school. Um, and I you know, presently keep a very low profile. And uh, that's I live with my brother as well, which is just a, a thing we do to uh, keep rent down. But that's about my uh, personal situation. Are, I, I hear a, a bit of a bird in the background or something. Are you in your apartment uh, or help us understand anyone that can hear uh, your background environment? What What is immediately around you? Yes, we do have a small um, uh, backyard area, which I'm, I'm sitting in the, in the back of because it's uh, obviously a very nice day and we don't, you know, I don't get too many opportunities to enjoy it. Yeah, right on. Well, good. You're, it sounds like you're busy studying, um, um, and hitting the books. And so um, one of the things that I've been interested, we had a little bit of correspondence back and forth uh, via email and preparing for this chat. Um, maybe you can just shed light for anyone listening on uh, how it is that we've come to meet each other. Where, where did we meet or how did we come in contact with each other? 
Um, well, I believe you uh, posted a uh, solicitation, we'll call it that, mm -hmm. uh, on a uh, subreddit forum, which is uh, incels in action, which is yeah. one of the two major, um, ironically, anti-incel forums on, uh, on Reddit. So they are typically critical, um, generally posting uh, previously material that they found on Reddit. Uh, obviously, there were previous subreddits that were uh, incel oriented, um, but obviously those have since been disbanded. Uh, with I didn't realize, uh, being the novice that I guess I, I am, I'm. Uh, I learned quickly that I was posting maybe in the wrong or the right places. Uh, in the end, it did lead me to you, um, but people were quick to remind me that you know I was, um, I was, you know, I was in the circles of people that don't look favorably on incels. And uh, anyway, I, I guess I was comfortably in the area of, of having to navigate stigma, which is um, what I seem to do on this show, the Rex Crim show. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we, that you did respond and that we're connected. So needless to say, I, I guess um, you would, it's fair to say you would meet the criteria as you describe it of being um, involuntarily celibate uh, for you know a period of of six months to a year. Could you shed a bit of light on your circumstances at the moment? How is it that you see yourself as an incel? Well, I think uh, generally speaking, people people come to that realization after a certain period of time. I I usually think people realize that they are. Um, uh, virgins before they realize that they are incels. Right, right. Uh, which is part of the disagreement, I think, amongst people who are, um, who might be, for instance, lifelong virgins, sometimes don't like to classify themselves as incels. There's disagreement there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, so really, the, the situation is do you group yourself into that um, group? The, so, so, obviously, for instance, an incel would not obviously. Uh, include someone who might be saving themselves for marriage right. and is 25 and unmarried. That, that doesn't count. Um, it's, it's simply a thing that uh, has never happened. It's not ever a thing that people seek out uh, usually, although one can argue uh, a lack of trying can count as seeking out this, this end goal. Uh, or really, it's something that happens completely organically. It's it's very much in the sense that people wake up one day surprised that they're middle aged. <laughs> they don't really um, have any expectation or goal of of getting there. It's just something that uh, happens on the day to day. Right. So you're describing. I think we're talking around this broader theme of male sexuality and uh, and you know this sort of stigma in itself about being a virgin. Um, past, you know, past a certain age, um, there's sort of this expectation, I think, about um, losing one's virginity, if you will, um, certainly as a male versus a women who are on the other end, you know, held to a double standard where virginity is a little bit um, expected of them. Um, am I wrong here? Or, or does that make sense from your perspective? Well, I, I will say it's expected, but the statistics do bear out that it is slightly, and again, this is marginal, perhaps negligible, 
but it is slightly less common year by year for a woman to be a virgin as she gets older than a, than a man uh, mm-hmm. as a matter of as a matter of purely of statistics i do want to say one other thing the part of the reason why as well there is the battle over over the term incel or incel versus virgin or or whether it is a an external thing that happens to people or whether it's an internal thing that they cause <laughs> is that it has also become a, an insult term right. so it's an insult term and it's a good one because you the best terms of insults are ones in which you presumably uh can't change and which agree with the insulter's value or, or value system. So if if a an incel is someone something that happens to them that they can't control, it's a very rude term. It's very much like calling someone the R word right. or, or something similar. Uh, so there is definitely a fight where people do want to be able to continue to use um, you know whether anyone is, is a, a virgin or an insult or whatever it may be, they, they do wish to continue to use it as an insult. So it is important for certain people who use it as an insult that they continue to win that argument of uh, this is something that you caused upon yourself. Therefore, it's acceptable for me to insult you in this way. Hmm. Um, so so uh, it's a little bit unclear to me then. Um, I mean, help me understand on the one hand you you seem to have some fantastic insight and, and you refer to this idea of an internal versus an external locus of behavioral control whereby you know an incel is only truly an incel when they have no choice over the matter they're involuntarily in that situation and they find themselves you know beyond beyond uh, their attempts and and the circumstances that they've tried to overcome, you know, they're, they're forced into this sort of stigmatic role. Uh, I think that's describing an external orientation where people see the world as happening to them um, versus, you know, adopting this label and saying, I'm an incel, you know, and, and I'm maybe I'm, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. Mike, um, I think you're, I think you're absolutely correct that there, I think the also disagreement would be everyone agrees that there's some small portion of people who for whatever reason any reason are not going to be in a relationship i think everyone accepts that on some you know statistically large enough measure there are some people who are going to fall in that group uh additionally however there are some people on the other side of the incels here who think the opposite that it is a much bigger number perhaps bigger you know it's just a disagreement in numbers there but likewise, those people on that other side in that community definitely feel that there is something that can be done about it. And I think that's also a huge difference. Whether or not you think there's something that can be done about it uh, to the society to affect your status is, is a huge point of contention. So where do you see yourself? I see myself very much as it's a very, and, and I think all the statistics um, and studies that have been done about this bear this out, that it is a very small percentage overall. We're talking no more than 10% over a lifetime. I think it's um, really informative you know, that you take this uh, pragmatic approach to making sense of your circumstances and referring to statistics and studies. Um, maybe you can unfold that a little bit um, you know, is there, are there links or are there, are there 
you know, examples of what you can refer refer listeners to? Uh, what do you mean when you're talking about statistics and studies on this subject? Well, uh, for instance, many of the early studies that were about things that we would now call, for, for instance, I'll just to give the initial background, yeah. the initial study on incels was done by a woman, I believe, named Maria. I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at her last name now, but uh, the study was originally done about uh, lesbian relationships in New York that were basically uh, non, non-cohesive, and there were large numbers of lesbian women who couldn't find a partner. And so that's when the coin, the term was coined. But far before that, um, there were people who were talking about these situations and trying to find relations. What is it about these individuals who are never in relationships that makes them this way? Are there any correlations that we can find? Um, and I think to a large extent, decent numbers of some of those studies are, are correlated and some of them may be causal. Um, but very small amounts. For instance, I'll give an example. Uh, height is typically given as an incel um, uh, death the wish type of type of situation, right? Uh, but only men who are four eleven in height, which is a statistically very small number of people, are those who never have any type of relationship. I'm I'm fascinated uh, by this. I, this is very interesting, and it ties in nicely to what I had picked up. Um, in the emails that we had back and forth. But before I go on, I'm just noticing a little bit of instability in maybe my internet connection or, or yours, and I don't know what I can do to it. Are you able to hear me uh, properly, Mike? Oh, yep. Yeah, I, I just cut out there for, for a little second there. Yeah, I guess the internet here north of, uh, <laughs> north of the border is uh, a bit shoddy, or I don't, I don't know what I can do to get a better connection. I, I should try to find an ethernet cable, but no, it's okay. I can hear you. I can hear you fine. Seem now. to be going now. This interest, this fascinates me, where you're describing a sort of deterministic uh, idea around uh, the idea of uh, the, the hope of finding a mate, and you very eloquently wrote in an email to me about this subject fitting nicely at the intersection of um, hereditarianism and personal improvement. Can you? help explain what you mean by that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, again, as, as I said earlier, you know, if it's hereditary, it can't be used as an insult. So for other people, it's very important that this uh, status be personally, res- that you're personally responsible for. And there's a, there's a sliding scale, if you will, in my mind, between perfect hereditarianism, which I think everyone can agree some small number of people fall into. And there is the other example, which is perfect, you know, personality situation, which I believe almost some small number fall into as well, but very, very few. Um, uh, the, the situation in, uh, in some communities is definitely mixed between the two uh, with a whole range in between where there are large numbers of people who firmly believe that there is nothing other than what you're born with. And there's really very little chance of, of making any type of, of personal or, or physical or mental improvements to the far extreme other end where people think that 
basically you shouldn't even remotely consider things that do objectively make it more difficult it it will be more difficult for a man who is shorter than most women uh to get a date with most women um so so there has to be some level of of balance i think between the two uh positions the unfortunate thing for the uh incel community as a whole is they tend to take a position that's very strongly hereditarian and very strongly favoring single traits as good and single traits as bad which is usually not not the case again there are certain traits that are generally speaking more uh more preferable than others you know height is usually the most obvious generally speaking people would prefer a taller person to a shorter person but uh they're really beyond that it's really not as clear which traits are are universally positive uh good traits to have and which traits are universally negative traits to have and i will say as well that can also go for the personality traits as well uh there are all sorts of numbers of sociological studies that say uh or psychology studies rather than sociology excuse me uh that state that people who have very violent uh dangerous tendencies that really shouldn't be uh getting partners very easily uh have less chances or or have less single them situations uh whereas individuals who are very compassionate they also manage to get large numbers of partners um so so it's really not conclusive on the personality front either uh but it is it is clear that the the continuum the, the answer lies somewhere in the middle and i do reject either the you know I would say anti incel position that it's entirely personal and it's entirely your fault if you can't get a get a girlfriend or or boyfriend for that matter. Um and I do also reject the typically more extremist incel position where it's entirely hereditarianism. Um additionally on one one more point on that the as I touched on briefly earlier the the incel groupings that usually talk about or accept the personality aspects usually also have a strong sentiment that there is something that can be changed and a lot of this usually revolves around um online dating so there's a large contingent of people again to take just one example that think that uh uh Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, what have you these apps that re- that basically are are more looks focused have hypercharged the focus on the looks and that if you or and for instance it's particularly on height there's a large contingent that go well if you're 6 foot swipe swipe left or whatever um swipe right so again the um so there's people who think well if we just ban those then we'll be fine and that's a very weird group within the the overall because they're this group that thinks uh it is personal personality or i should say culturally based but we should do something about it as in as a group that they should do something about it and that's i think the most um uh interesting but also the most delusional subset <laughs> you take such a nuanced perspective and maybe that's your background uh in in studying uh law um where you're able to situate yourself on either side of the argument it sounds like and yet there's this plight that you're seemingly faced with in that you have fantastic awareness of the issues and you're possibly able to situate yourself on either side of the argument um but yet struggling with this sort of interpersonal situation that uh, 
that that you find yourself in um it's far more nuanced and and colored than the black and white public perception uh, i think that's toted in in news media and some of the stories that we've heard about um in the news about you know harm being done in the name of incel culture and um i wonder if you could just shed a, a little bit more light on your uh on the stereotype people listening might think you know incels are folks who are white men um you use the term middle-aged you know maybe living in their parents basement uh, no ambition and little going for them in in life but that's that's not the picture that you're painting of yourself um could you just shed a bit more light on some of the achievements that you shared with me offline and some of the great things that seem to be going on in your life and what you're looking forward to? Well, I, I do say I was on uh, uh, it, it, uh, brain cells initially, and then it sells that hate as a, as a user who was occasionally made, made memes of for being a bit of a fake cell because I'm very tall. So uh, <laughs> I, maybe, maybe that's part of the reason why, uh, why I can take all sides because actually some people think i'm a fake cell but uh the um no yeah i, I think uh also i can just want to point out you you know you did say the media and then i'll get back to your original question but uh you know obviously i think the isla vista shooter in the united states and the um toronto shooter uh, are both the two famous cases that that color this whole thing and what's interesting about them, based on what I was just saying a second ago, is that both of those individuals definitely fell on the personality and improvement side of the of the ledger, uh, in terms of of being incels. Right? They were entirely convinced that hey, I did all these things. Why wasn't I rewarded? Therefore, there must be retribution for for this. You know, there there was a, there was a total feeling on their behalf that I did all the things you told me to do. XYZ didn't happen. It, again, obviously, it's, it should not be thought of as an exchange, but that is the way they thought it. Uh, and as a result, they uh, they carried out their acts this way. But it's just sort of um, uh, interesting in that way how, how sort of especially those people who are more in line with what I think is the broader cultural idea that if you do enough personal improvement, you can bring yourself up is where actually a lot of the uh, a lot of the angry or the or the more vitriolic parts of the of the movement definitely come from uh, from this idea. It's like, well, if I did this, if I did X, Y, Z, then I should be rewarded. If I'm not, then something's gonna have to happen. Um, so I want to just point that out. Um, in terms of my, uh, you know, uh, background, obviously, yeah, I um, uh, obviously had a very normal background growing up, which I want to point out to a certain extent. Uh, I was just a very normal middle-class person, but a certified, you know, good boy <laughs> in every in every sense of the word. Uh, I was the type of person who, you know, wouldn't stay out past 10 with my friends, even when my parents had no curfew. And obviously this this occasionally paid off later on, as I'm sure any, any kid who um, is nice to their parents and eventually, you know, tries to cash all that it in all that goodwill in for something else <laughs> um it never really figures out but uh i think that even if you look at personal achievements that uh that people have had or insult people have had particularly you will find they're slightly overrepresented um in personal achievements 
because there is a, a wrong-headed belief, uh, a certainly a wrong-headed belief that I have, that if you, for instance, are a high schooler, to take one example, let's say you're 15 in high school, there's an idea, both for men and women, by the way, that if you knuckle down and study, you will be rewarded um, with higher grades, et cetera. And that if you uh, party or if you um, spend a lot of time dating, you're going to be not punished, but there will be some sort of consequences for that in your grades or whatever. But the reality is that that's not the case at all. In fact, that students who have uh, romantic relationships in high school and in college both perform better. Um, so this was definitely a, a, a fallacy that I fell victim to. Um, obviously, I uh, was not valedictorian in my class, but I was close. I went to the same school as the valedictorian, so I, I count that as a moral victory. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, was an Eagle Scout, was a very you know normal member of the community. I. Uh, was a volunteer firefighter as a youth and when i was a junior i uh went to the fire academy and now am a, a firefighter when i go back home on the weekend so not it, it sounds it sounds like the fire brigade is on on its way to you right now in the yeah un- unfortunately that always happens around here <laughs> that, that's okay that's part of uh you know being in proximity to the big apple i guess yes it's a little um it was a little funny when uh, the COVID situation was first happening. It was almost like they turned off all the noise for a little bit. It was funny. Um, yeah. But uh, I apologize for that. No, don't apologize. That's fine. You're describing um, falling victim to this fallacy of, um, of you know, trying to be, I guess, a, a nice a nice guy. And it's reminding me of a fantastic book that I have to plug that I read and found a lot of use in. I wonder if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's it's called uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy, A Proven Plan for Getting What You Want in Love, Sex, and Life by Dr. Robert Glover. Um, I'll link uh, that in the show notes for people that might or might not be interested. But um, I think what you're describing is, uh, or, or sort of flirting with this idea of the man sphere a little bit. Are you familiar with, with that term or um, the, the whole industry that is out there um, catering to folks trying to get dates and trying to, to improve themselves? Is that germane to this conversation at all? Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, th- I think if, if I was unfortunate um, to say it, I do think there is a, a pipeline that exists there, as unfortunate as it is. What do you mean pipeline? Well, I think the uh, let, let's face it; these are ab- these are views that are outside the the mainstream to a certain extent. So to get them, you have to be in a certain group that's a bit on the side. And if you're in a men's rights activist group, or if you if you follow some type of pickup artist, or or I mean, even more extreme, a MGTOW MGTOW person. Uh, men going their own way person uh you're definitely more likely to come across these these things Um, that's a term i i i've heard of vaguely but uh some of this terminology is new to me and um i wonder if you can i I read that in your email to me but i didn't know that uh the acronym for men going their own way just just hit that note for a second what exactly is that Oh, so that is that is basically one of, in my views, the worst idea 
men going their own ways, the basic premise of it is that they think that women are parasites and that uh, a, a marriage particularly is, the, is skewed so as to take advantage of men at the benefit of women. Um, I, I know that is not going to be a favorable definition. I'm sure there's a more neutral definition I could take, but um, that's definitely the ideological undertones are that you should not be in a relationship voluntarily. And, and the good reason behind it is that you're going to be taken advantage of in some way. Right. This idea that, you know, women are um, basically looking to move up the echelons and in the social echelons. And, uh, and that involves sort of what is the term marrying up, so to speak, taking advantage of, of money uh, that you might earn. Uh, um, I think, I think that's what we're, what we're suggesting by this uh, movement of men going their own way. It, it, it leads to a rather toxic outlook uh, in my opinion, at least on, you know, the um, nefarious agenda of women, it would seem. Yes. And of course it's always based on some vaguely true premise, right? I mean, it, it is true that uh, again, if the, I was thinking about the true premises, it is true that, women initiate divorce it is true that women generally get um some type of child support or other support payments um but that's about where the conversation can end it does not have there are no necessary personal or social um ideas that may follow from that you've done a a, a very good job of packaging up the sort of different um, orientations or debates of this topic. Uh, you've touched on, you've used terms um, like, well, the subreddit groups. And I wonder if you can um, give, just explain a little bit more about these different categories. You and I uh, met or you responded to one of my posts in incels, um, is it incels in action? Versus, uh, yeah, I think, versus yeah. brain cells, incels without hate. You use the term fake cell. Um, could you shed a bit of light on these terms as you understand them? Well, yeah. So, of course, the the one of the things is obviously with any in group, you've got to have a large degree of of terminology and you know lingo to make sure that you know people who don't know what you're talking about are are feel like outsiders. So they first come in, of course. Hmm. Uh, so obviously. Um, uh, the main benefit to the Reddit groups is and always has been, um, generally speaking, people who are part of any group would prefer to go to one versus many. So while there are multiple um, incel websites, they vastly prefer to go to Reddit where there are many different subreddits, which can cover all sorts of different um, topics. Anything from you know, sailing to Facebook memes uh, can all be on subreddits and so one of the common subreddits was in cells i believe that was shut down after the uh, toronto attack yeah um, if i can just jump in very quickly i think uh, to offer clarity the matter in toronto wasn't um unless i'm mistaken and there's another one that you're referring to it was actually a, an individual who i guess shall remain nameless um but you can look it up easily he was recently convicted in fact of um of his misdeeds, um, to say the least. And it wasn't a shooting case, uh, as we've heard about in the States, but this 
situation involved him renting a truck uh, and and driving down um, people indiscriminately down a, a busy street in Toronto. Um, he was recently before the courts, I understand, and convicted of this, uh, unless you're referring to another one that you're more familiar with that I'm not. No, that, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly the case. Yeah. yeah. And of course, there's been countless examples of atrocities happening south of uh, of our Canadian border, um, where, I mean, gun uh, violence is another topic for another episode, maybe, but that seems to be more common. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, a number of instances where men have gone and seemingly shot indiscriminately at women specifically um, for this very idea of what you're describing men maybe going their own way and having a sense of wanting that retribution as you as you pointed out yes absolutely uh i think that that definitely happens and i i mean it's also worth mentioning that a lot of these people weren't technically um involved in any of the communities that i'm mentioning now any of the reddit communities now that i'm trying to defend myself or anything but it's yeah, that's the case. Um, it's important to qualify that. I mean, we're talking about a one extreme. I mean, these this is the uh, the extreme. You know, these atrocities happen as a result of maybe not being able to have conversations like you and I are having now, uh, Mike. So it's uh, you're you're much more moderate in your perspective. It sounds like, and um, I think it's important for people to hear because unfettered, without some input from the other side, uh, these these groups, um, which I want to hear more about from you on Reddit and, and whatnot, they lead to what you're describing in terms of like a dogma and indoctrination, uh, taking on its own language and perspective and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is a, there is a whole dogma surrounding it. Um, you know, obviously the incel, the community were in cells, which was banned. Then it was brain cells, which was banned. There were another series of offshoots. So for instance, um, there was a, a a subreddit in cells without hate, which was more moderate. There was a subreddit called short cells, which was particularly about the short experience as as an incel, which obviously was very focused on that issue. Um, there was a group called Just Be White, which I think, as you might have uh, insinuated earlier, right, the perception is that incels are all middle-aged white men, but the reality is that the maybe half to the a slim majority are typically, uh, you know, some non-white group, Asians, to East Asians, particularly and South Asians tend to be overrepresented, for example. Um, and obviously that stems from whole sorts of other issues you go into, but uh, those were the groups. And obviously in each one of those groups, you had whole sorts of uh, languages related to the dogma. So in the short cells group, you had a whole group of language dedicated to keeping people who are tall out, making sure that you continue to reinforce the idea that if you are not tall, you will not, you have no chance, right? A very strictly hereditarian point of view in these, in these groups, um, especially in the more hateful ones, like uh, more extreme ones, I shouldn't say necessarily hateful, but extreme ones like brain cells. I guess when the, when the extremism takes, uh, takes hold, then it does lead to hate and, and those toxic, um, emotions as well as actions that that just breed um discord and uh and harm yes absolutely i think it's very difficult to to tell someone basically repeatedly 
Uh, the post numbers were never high, but I think they were probably at least 20 a day um, on, for instance, short sells. And I think it's very hard to see 20, you know, memes or, or image messages a day of people who are incredibly depressed about how short they are or jokes about how they will never um, get a girlfriend unless they're uh, five, seven or taller or five, t- five, 10 or six foot even. Um, uh, I think it's very difficult to not, you shouldn't form conclusions based on that, but I think it is more difficult than people might uh, initially assume to not form conclusions after seeing that every day. Mm-hmm. And to clarify, then you've um, you alluded to the idea of a fake cell. What is that? So a fake a fake cell is is can fall from multiple categories. I'll give you just some of the canonical examples. Uh, a sixteen year old is a fake cell. He's too young. He can't he can't be a fake cell. Um, someone who's uh, fat is a vol cell. They're voluntarily celibate because they are fat, um, but they can also be a they can also be a fake cell. Um, and that's one of the rare instances of, of the uplifting aspect of it. Most people, it's a good idea to lose weight. So it is good that someone says that explicitly, I think, occasionally. Um, not really any particular harm. Uh, but then obviously fake self to someone who's too tall as well. So if you're 6'4", you can't be an incel. You're too tall. You know, people at height. And and uh, obviously, you have too much money. Say that about money again. Uh, this is this is these are things that I'd never heard of before. Fake cell versus vol cell. You're suggesting that someone who's obese or could lose a few pounds isn't a true um, involuntarily isn't truly involuntarily celibate because there's something within their control that they can change, i.e., their weight. Um, uh, same with someone who's too young in in terms of age. Um, uh, whereas a fake cell is someone that um, misrepresents themselves as an incel, being that there's something that they're able to change. Uh, I, I'm having a different. I, I, w- I wouldn't say it, it would. It would be a fake cell. Would be someone who, uh, strictly speaking, a fake cell would be someone who is pretending to be an incel for some type of ego boost. Is how they would view it. So obviously, if if you know, I am, I'm around six foot eight. So if I say I'm six, eight and uh, an incel, they go, well, that can't be possible because people that tall aren't that way. So you must be here to insult us in some way. Likewise, people who are young, it's, you can't be that way because you're too young. You have to give it more time. Um, There are different motivations for calling someone it, but all of them fundamentally rest on the fact that if you have a certain series of traits, um, you you are are impersonating us uh, the the incel group to try and and seek something sympathy like, I, it's, do, do you, is there not something to be said about the irony around um, belonging to a group that is premised upon not being accepted well I think that's I think that's a misreading I don't think that the group is premised on not being accepted and I think furthermore every group even you know no matter how dregish you are and out of society you are uh has to have certain rules around who is isn't it isn't it otherwise you couldn't definitionally have a group i see that as simply a definitional problem um so i, I don't see that there is being any difficulty in in in, in cells keeping people out again i think generally speaking vol cell would be the positive term meaning you could you could get out of here don't stay here don't let yourself be poisoned like i am 
uh, whereas whereas fake sale is, is much more of a hostile term that has some insinuation that you are only here amongst us to um, to mock us for some for some reason as an imposter, so to speak. Yes, precisely. That's a great way to. Put so, it. so this is um, this is uh, this is a whole world of seeing. Um, one's oneself depending on their unique circumstances and it seems as though there's branches off that have to do with you know circumstances based on age or based on you know physical appearance or ability um i'm i'm happy to hear more if, if you're able to shed light on these sort of types and categories but i i i'm also keen on knowing more specifically how you see yourself in these circumstances and where you fall um, yourself. Can you share a bit about how you came to uh, learn about, you know, back to the idea of male virginity and how you came to appreciate yourself in, in context of incel? Can you, can you get, a, are you willing to get a little bit personal and in depth about your own circumstances? Yeah. Well, I would, um, I would simply say, uh, as I think I, touched on briefly earlier you know it just is something that you wake up um seeing in terms of getting involved in the communities um i'll admit because of a lockdown particularly i was the first time i had actually made a reddit account up until that point i was never i would have never had enough free time to have done something like that so i think also there's definitely something to be said that lockdown covid 19 situation i've definitely um spurned a lot more people into it than there were even a few months ago um and you could see you could see this as a way of illustration uh incels without hate the last subreddit had i think two and a half times the number of uh, members that brain cells had at, at its peak so you could see that there was a clearly a large growth that was going on um but i think it's the type of thing is where you get to it is usually a series of logical um jumps that leads you to an inevitable illogical conclusion. So you have a situation, you go, well, why is it that I've never uh, had, a, had a girlfriend, for instance, as, as a question you might ask, one might ask oneself. Um, and so you start looking for an answer and maybe you'll find a dating coach type person or a pickup artist and you go, well, it doesn't really seem like me. And then you go, as, as my personal experience this is um and so then you go okay well maybe the real reason i'm not uh dating anyone is because well it's just too much work you know i'm 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 on a i'm on a full-time sports team you know i've got all this work to do um too too much work well that can't really be it as uh, that, around that time i discovered the statistics around better um educational outcomes for students who are in relationships and eventually you discover the the men going their own way thing which is i think the most one of the most common ways people discover this sort of stuff is either after going through a pickup artist lesson or group and failing um which i luckily uh i i, I sort of did but didn't fully um and then the other most common way is this MGTOW way which is men going their own way which you basically think i don't even want to be in a relationship incels relentlessly fight with men going their own way and they frequently will raid their boards pick up artist boards they're all over this all over this stuff i don't want to say it's recruiting 
but it's certainly a way of um, getting the message out there, grassroots. And so you're on this group and suddenly someone goes, you're reading a, a MGTOW thing and it's, it's just a funny meme, you know, you know, the wife took the kids. Now I'm, now I've got a motorcycle, some, some of these dumb stuff that they say. And, uh, and you see on the bottom, it goes, uh, you're just, if someone comments something like, well, you're just an incel. You weren't, you're not going your own way. You were sent your own way. And you go, huh, well, what does this, what does this mean? And eventually you come to realize, well, there clearly is a large component um, to one circumstances that is based around uh, looks in, in some particular way. Now, again, I don't think that there are any necessary conclusions that follow from that re revelation, other than you might want to put more effort into your looks, which I think is something that could be said about any person. Um, but that is the the series of illogical conclusions that lead you there is basically in that in that track for myself it's it's not caring very much about about dating or being too shy to date which i also feel very very fairly applies to me then falling victim to a quasi pickup artist situation then a men going their own way then into the incel situation um, interesting so this is you're delineating a sort of path into the incel culture which which somewhat applies to you it sounds like Yes, but I do. I do think that uh, maybe I, perhaps I'm being too grandiose, but I do think that there is a, a pad, and that does probably emerge close to that realm. I find it very unlikely that people are, for, for example, you're in the subreddit that you originally found me on is in cells in action. Those subreddits, there's another one called Incel Tears. Both of them frequently get posted to the front page of Reddit. I doubt anyone clicks on one of those things that is mocking incels and then thinks, let me check it out, and then thinks, I'm one of these and joins. I think it has to be based on some type of series of logical um, identifications and then conclusions. That's all. I want to touch on earlier, I mean, you're describing this pathway into the incel culture wherever however one finds themselves depending on the various terms and and you know varying uh, ideologies if you will but you use this term movement and i find that fascinating where where is this movement leading in your opinion well i think that is a, a an unfortunate um word that i do i do use because it I think it accurately des describes it because you wouldn't call it an organization or, or anything else. Um, you, it's not really an ideology because it's not cohesive and comprehensive. Uh, so if I were to, the unfortunate thing about it is the movement aspect, the aspects that the majority of people would like to see um, are the things I find most um abhorrent about it. So I think if I were was guessing about a movement aspect of it, there would be, you know, the, the the first aspect of the movement would basically be personal responsibility and personal improvement, which I have no problem with. Every person basically would, if you compare men and women, the amount that they work on their looks, men work on their looks a tenth as much as women. And as a result, women generally look about like they put about 10 times more effort in the men. <laughs> and so, and so I think it's more than fair to say that, uh, maybe maybe part of the movement is simply that but on a more nefarious level i think there's definitely a part of the movement that um 
wants certain things to change. They want certain social things to change that aren't or just aren't going to happen. That's all. I, I want to better understand, you know, we've done a great thing in explaining the grandiose and abstract way of uh, of seeing both sides of this perspective. But I think it's also important to to hone in a little bit on personal circumstance by way of anecdote. And um, in your and my emails back and forth, you you've alluded to your your own self perception and uh, areas where you see need for improvement uh, in your physical appearance. Um, not your height. Uh, you you know that's clear. You're you don't fall into the short cell category. But there's some other areas that. Uh, that I wonder if you're willing to share how it is that you you see yourself and and what you think needs to happen to um, to improve the likelihood of finding a mate. Well, I, I will say one of the cruel ironies about this, and not to harp on the statistics too much, but one of the cruelest ironies is that it is definitely true as a matter of psychological fact that the more uh, heritable, or, or that is to say, less changeable a trait is, uh, the more uh, it is an honest signal of your attractiveness. So height would be a great example. Um, the more likely it is to be rated attractive by a, a broader number of people. So all sorts of people can find, you know, um, all heights of people attractive, but the most people find mostly taller people attractive. Um, and that is also something that's the most heritable and it's the thing that you can do the least about. Uh, so the, I, the, one of the key ironies I find about if you're trying to improve your looks is that the things that are, you know, most liked by the broadest number of people are the things that it is the most impossible to change, uh, which obviously is very sad, especially for short. But on a personal level, obviously, um, I, I was born with a, a slight facial deformity on my on the left side of my face, which caused it to sort of have a, a drooping to, to my overall face, which I've, I've had corrected um, uh, through, through a series of surgeries. And I had a small um, series of face, you know, red marks, basically, on my face, which have since cleared up. And, and as a result, I am looking better in that regard. And I additionally have a surgery for a, a rhinoplasty that I will be getting done after I graduate. So all these are good examples of looks maxing and, and personal responsibility measures to improve one's chance of not being an incel. Obviously, I do think that it is something I keep aware of is that both with myself and with other incels, you have to worry about this problem. Two problems, actually. One is that people who get plastic surgery, and myself is probably a victim of this now, is everyone has a tendency to get one more. Oh, I'll just get one more. Oh, oh if I just fix this thing. Okay, I fixed that thing. Well, if I just fix this next thing, then we'll be, then I'll be attractive. Uh, so you got to avoid falling into that. And I think the other thing to avoid is falling into the other typical incel trap where it's like, well, I worked out as much as I could. I got a surgery and I have a crack, you know, um, uh, skincare routine. Well, why am I still not? Um, having any success. And so I also have to be cognizant of the fact that uh, if you are the type of person as I am, who is uh, intimately stunted, does not have that same level of um, uh, a, a base of, 
of um, let's, let's call it history in in flirting, dating, you know, things of that nature. You're going to have a tough time, regardless of how well you look. It's just a fact. Um, so, so you know, managing that will be difficult if I if this all goes well. You're describing, um, you know, experience in in working on intimacy and, uh, and, you know, by virtue of having more experience, you become more confident and become more capable of, you know, this is a muscle to be, um, exercise, so to speak, or a skill, if you will, that, that requires, um, that requires exercise. Um, but earlier you, you talked about this, you know, shyness in, in dating. And so I'm wondering about this sort of, um, you know, you're it, it, help me understand this sort of um, self fulfilling prophecy, if you will. I mean, you're for folks who want to go put themselves out there and become a little bit more experienced, but are hindered by shyness. Uh, it becomes, you know, um, it becomes. It sounds like it becomes sort of crippling. Uh, can you shed shed some more light on this perspective from your view? Well, it's interesting. That I, I love that you use the word shyness there because the original term for incel before incel was a term was uh, love shyness. And, and men who were incels were described as love shy, uh, which I find, you know, very interesting. Uh, but you're, you're absolutely right that the more you do it, the better it becomes. And so there's also an element of uh, the environment you're in, you know, Generally speaking, when children make mistakes, we really don't punish them that severely because we understand that they are learning and trying. <laughs> They're trying their best. Um, like, likewise, the same thing happens. If you're a teenager and you sort of make a, a bumbling, awkward pass at your date at a school dance or something, um, it, it should also be mentioned, I did go to an all-boys school, so that maybe also contributed. I, I don't, I'm not going to... Um, rubbish all boys schools, but that is something to keep in mind. <laughs> uh, the um, but if you if you did make a pass at a at a girl to school dance and you mess it up or you're awkward about it or something, it's kind of no harm no foul. If you screw that up on a first date and you're 28, it's a little it's a little bad. It's a it's a much worse look for you overall. Right. And to be clear, then. Um... Will you share what age you are, Mike? Uh, I am about to turn 24. 24 years young. Um, and yet, you know, there's this earlier when we were chatting, you were describing, you know, incel having a sustained period of of being um, celibate involuntarily, you know. Uh, uh, but what is the difference between that and being a late bloomer, so to speak? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because as we were talking about earlier with fake cells, another group for fake cells is people who are under 27. Um, so 27, again, statistically is when uh, 90% plus of men and women have, have lost their virginity and, and have been in some sort of relationship um, for over, I think it's over three months or something. Um, so usually people will go, oh, well, you're, you're not a fake cell until you're 27, or you're not a real cell until you're 27. Uh, you you might be right, but uh, statistically and evidentially, I think that's against you. I really don't see there is, again, I'm optimistic. I do think 
there's a there's a potential that it could happen but i really don't see any way in the short or medium term that uh that i personally could ever could ever get a girlfriend i mean you're talking about someone who uh has has never been on a on a proper date never you know held hands hugged kissed anything anything like that so you're really talking about someone who is so and, and, and furthermore you know flirted or, or tried to build a level of connection beforehand right if you if we agree that there might be something beyond just looks that that women are attracted to people who are in cells or who people who lack experience period people who might be late bloomers as you said they don't have that they don't remotely have that ability um, to capitalize on those skills that other people might have whether they're attractive or not I, there's a great quote that comes to mind. Um, you know, it's you, you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. And um, you know, I think that applies to all things. But you know, problematizing this thing of intimacy, I want to I want to tie this into the idea of social media. Um, I mean, the plight that you're describing is in your unique circumstances, going to an all boys school, not having a whole lot of experience with the opposite sex, uh, consequently, you know, leading you to have this sense of, of, you know, being inexperienced, which, which is now uh, seemingly exasperated by the fact that we're all required to stay home during a pandemic where practicing intimacy has become even more challenging for, for the average person. Um, what do you think, what advice can you give to, uh, to folks or to even yourself, um, in, in being able to move forward? I mean, I, am I to understand that you see yourself as never being able to find intimacy or do you make room for the possibility that it could happen, um, in the right circumstances eventually? It's, it's theoretical. It, it exists objectively, but not subjectively. It's objectively possible, but subjectively, I don't think so. Uh, uh, to give you an example of this, obviously, um, bars as we might have known them are, are illegal now. And it's the type of thing where if you were meeting friends at a location, let's say at a bar, it used to be quite easy that you could just go in and, and sit down and there's no problem. Uh, the other, the other day, literally yesterday actually uh i was going to meet a couple friends at a at a at rooftop bar outdoors but separated very safe let's not stop ridiculous uh but uh when i went in there i was so unable to to um uh be be assertive in a in a in a social context about well i'm just going to sit down at this cabana even though they're not here instead i was like took one look around i was like well there's no easy obvious place for me to sit and i'm not going to hold 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 the whole table until they arrive so um i'm just going to dip i'm just going to leave <laughs> and so that, that is uh, again i i'm not i'm not a unsocial person but i am the type of person who um if if I know that you know all of our friends are going to a party, and for instance it's at a uh, or a women's house or something that's quite common, or or if I'm going back to uh, to you know college to you know go back and visit you know the old school, I will always make sure to write down okay who do I know is going to be there, what do I know about them, what conversation topics would be nice to bring up with them, okay let's think about some jokes. I always find myself doing 
substantial amounts of prep work to make sure to make up for the fact that I am less skilled at that. But I don't think there's any level of practice or pre preparation that you can do for doing it with a member of the opposite sex. It is so instinctive that uh, if you try and, and fake it in that way, it is just so plainly obvious that it, that it falls apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, I'm so glad that you were the one that said uh, about the, uh, the dichotomy between objectivity and subjectivity, because on the one hand, you, you do appreciate that uh, it's there is a possibility for you to, to find intimacy in this life and to, you know, by way of, of that intimacy, you know, be, be content with another, um, uh, and and yet, you know, you're describing the social ineptness or anxiety, dare I say, um, that has to do with your internal view of of yourself and social circumstances. Um, so I, I want to tie this into the idea of beauty and uh, and attractiveness. You know, objectively, you 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 take this statistical approach to understanding the world and you're well informed um, it seems in being able to describe you know the the, the factors that that you know Darwin might uh, describe as as being you know attractive um, tall tallness uh, being you know having solid income a good education these objective targets if you will um, but then on the other hand it seems as though you know, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and it's the very things that make us unique and different that others, in fact, embrace and and do find uh, beautiful. How, how do you reconcile these these two things? Uh, uh, this idea of objectivity and subjectivity. Uh, I mean, if the objective cannot be changed, um, is it not possible? Do you not? You know, is is can the subjective view of the world uh, that that you take um, not be improved? Well, I think the subjective view is largely right, but I think it's it's fair to say that. And, and again, I'm a very religious person, but one can't expect a day of sex machina for everything in their life. Um, just say that again. Just say that again, Mike. I didn't catch that. One one can't expect a day of sex machina for everything in their life. What is um, that? Sex machina. A deus ex machina, uh, a God machine. It's from, um, uh, I believe it's from Da Vinci's, uh, when he made play, play sets, he would have God machines in his, uh, in his plays. So a, a, a way to solve a, uh, a problem in the story was to use a God machine. It's like, well, where did the characters go? Oh, well, they have appeared from the God machine. Um, and so it really, it really means, um, something completely unexpected and obviously basically a bolt from the blue from God. Again, you can, uh, you can't really expect to live your life on the basis that someone will find your particular brand of acne appealing. You've got to, you know, get on a skincare regimen. You've got to see a doctor, um, et cetera. Uh, and, and in, obviously that is, uh, that is the objective aspect of it. Everyone should take as much, as much as they can, the role to be as objectively attractive as they can. Subjectively, do I believe that other people have this beauty in the eye of the beholder? Yes, I have absolutely. But the the difficulty in that is one, it's it's about other people, not about you. You can't control who is attracted to you. 
um, uh, so I think I think it's really difficult to get around that no, no matter what you do. Um, accepting that you're going to be alone forever maybe isn't the best coping me mechanism uh, for that fact that, that you can't control who's attracted to you. But I really find a, it hard to imagine a better coping mechanism for that subjective value of beauty. For, for example, everyone I'm sure likes something in particular, particular that's very persnickety and very niche, I, I'm sure probably. Um, but these people don't wait around looking for the only person that has that thing. Uh, that obviously most people settle and a lot of people settle for the objective things. So I, I find it very, I find it, I'm not very compelled by the, by the subjective aspect. And I'm not really sure what is a better coping mechanism for the fact that there's a, a subjective nature than to simply say, I'm going to focus on the objective. Hmm. I wonder um, well, are you are you willing to share shed light on? I mean, surely you have an awareness of things that you do find attractive, and while there's a hindrance about uh, going to attain and achieve that due to your level of shyness, uh, as you might say, um, what what are the things that you look for in a mate, in a partner? What attracts you? Well, I, I like people who are very tall because I'm very tall myself. Um, <laughs> Which obviously is is relatively you would think would be would be more convenient. It's not actually all that that convenient. Um, uh, obviously, I like uh, people who are highly educated and, and well put together. And from a personality standpoint, uh, th this is also one of those things which I also find very ironic. And I'll say this about myself, but it it broadly applies to the movement as well. It. Um, it's, it's funny how what you just said, it's like, well, how would you describe someone you're interested in? And almost immediately the shift is to um, personality traits. People maybe list two or three at, at best physical traits before they go, oh, well, I'd like someone who's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very, I, I'm aware of, uh, not that I, I'm not to suggest that you trapped me, but I'm aware of how I walk right into that because that is a, a common trope. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, where you go, I, I I never believe that someone could like someone based on on personality, and then you find yourself listing only personality. Um, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, uh, but you you know you've you've taken you've proven my point of your your level of self awareness. Um, I mean, you have such a fantastic level of insight about your plight or your situation, and um, and yet I can't help but wonder if it's a matter of um, you know, over being perhaps over analytical and not, and not uh, forth, forthright, or as you use the term assertive enough um, and reconciling these two things um, in the back of my mind, I hope you don't mind me sh making that observation in our short time. Maybe that's presumptuous of me, um, but um, you know, excellent insight and yet, you know, highly analytical and, and maybe unwilling or, um, too nervous about you know, taking taking the bulls by the horns, so to speak. Well, I think that's uh, absolutely absolutely correct. I think that is a is a symptom of everyone who has love shyness or who is even a late bloomer. I think they can they can 
if, if someone is a late bloomer, show me a late bloomer who's not shy. Because uh, I've never seen Right. Good. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I think it just is, is the type of thing that, that compounds. If you think that, well, you're analytical and, and, you can't, and you can't figure out what to do. Um, I think to the, to the extent you're absolutely right, that's exactly my situation. But there is no solution to that. It's not like, oh, well, suddenly you're just not going to care. Um, you know about how to text uh, a potential mm-hmm. Tinder match that you got. I I want to point out one other thing, and then maybe try to try to steer the conversation in another direction. Um, you made a, we were talking of intimacy a moment ago, and you know you you sort of um, alluded to this idea, or rather, I heard this idea of you know coming to terms with the fact that one will never be able to find love, you know, coming to terms with the fact that involuntary celibacy is quite possibly a lifelong commitment or, you know, plight that they, that, that someone might find themselves in. And yet I wonder if that in itself could be a strategy. I mean, if it's true that you've got no prospects of finding love in the future, then isn't that something that could give confidence? If you have nothing, then you have nothing to lose, which would, you know, facilitate um, a level of confidence in, in being able to move forward. It, admittedly, that's that's potentially true. I, I will say one other thing. Um, unlike most individuals, I do have an example in my personal life of a family member who is um, an incel by any reasonable definition. Um, uh, I don't know if they ever had a girlfriend, but an aunt of mine uh, who my mother calls Eggie and I'll leave it at that because the name is incredibly cruel. Um, but uh, she is, is by any reasonable measures an incel and seeing her who is a perfectly nice, perfectly pleasant woman who's got a house, everything obviously all checks all boxes, but is not, is not married is what, what I guess in the past have been called a spinster, but not because she is unmarried, but she's never married. Um, and it's an incredibly uh, sad situation. So I'm incredibly aware that the situation is sad and that if my expectation is that it will be permanent, I should do something. But I think that um, the linking that up with actually doing something is goes against the animalistic part of one's brain. We're just, even if you know, you've got to, you know, do something, you just, you just sort of can't, can't do it. Um, you know, even even people who are are going to burn alive. This was common in, in World War II. Pilots who were going down, uh, they were going to be burning alive in their planes as they were crashing. They were issued a pistol so that they could commit suicide to avoid this if they couldn't bail out. And most of the pilots did not commit suicide because they couldn't bring themselves to pull that trigger. And I think that. I'm not saying in any way it's on the same seriousness level, but I'm saying that uh, if you're saying, well, you've got nothing to lose, why don't you just go up and talk to someone? Why don't you just go and, and shoot your shot, so to speak? Um, the answer is they just don't line up. The, the, the long-term fear does not outweigh the immediate fear. Yeah, it's a... Um, it's a... It's a challenge um, that I'm hearing. It seems like you know, it's a constant attempt at trying to reconcile. Um, yeah, I I find this just fascinating. And you're describing your aunt, uh, Eggie, who, um, 
you know, who is, uh, you use the term sad, um, presumably because this is someone that wants to find a mate, uh, but just for whatever reason never has. And so it leaves me wondering, is it that sometimes, is it that, you know, it's expected people are, are to find a mate in life? Is that not, you know, you know, is, is, is having a partner and, and intimacy, um, not a normal part, a natural part, I think is a better way to describe it of the human condition, or are there folks that truly have a, a desire to be, um, themselves to be, you know, um, not without a partner or to be, um, by themselves? Well, I think there's, there's surely some small number who fit into that category, but I think whether you're looking at it statistically, historically, religiously, basically everyone agrees that for all sorts of reasons, it is superior that humans be grouped up together. Um, I, I think that that still is true for all sorts of reasons. And I think that that, uh, that, that that no no amount of reframing anything I think could could change. Well, this that ties in nicely to where I'm hoping to direct this conversation next because I, uh, how are we doing for time? You're okay to keep chatting for uh, for a little while longer, Mike? Yeah, I'm I'm fine. I don't have any obligations until uh, no, until no hot dates or anything lined up yeah. like that. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. Yeah. Not yet, but after this podcast, you never know. Maybe. Uh, Maybe uh, things will blow up. I don't. Maybe, maybe not. Well, it's it's funny because you know you um, you, you said why don't you just do it? And I I'm recalling now, the I, I actually made a Bumble account for the first time because uh, a guy on the old incels without hate uh, subreddit just so browbeat me into doing it. <laughs> he just wouldn't give up until I until I downloaded it and uh, and made it made it a point to actually try um and obviously i never got any matches but such so it is it is that's what happened well that that does tie in nicely i mean i i want to tie this back to the idea of social media because much of what i'm observing in conversations in the rex crim show that are varying in topic um they all seem to come back to this idea of social media and and perception and perspective um specifically how we you know i see the problem is many of us all living isolated in our own sort of filter bubbles and consequently larger issues of of misinformation um you know being a a product of the fact that we we live in in our own news feeds that differ widely from um from friends and family nearest to us you know we can have extremely divergent perspectives and um, so I'm wondering, you know, if creating a Bumble account for you um, that results in, you know, never getting anywhere, um, you know, what what the next step might be? I mean, is it fair to say you have truly tried everything or is there, um, are there steps further that maybe you're aware of or not aware of that you might be willing to try that could result in success? Well, I don't think one's ever tried anything, which is perhaps one of the reasons why I'm not incredibly distressed about about the idea of, of never finding someone, because perhaps just trying becomes the game rather than, you know, supporting a partner. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't think I've I've 
tried everything. Uh, although I'll admit that's partially because of the difficulty I find in uh, trying things. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I I I I take your point about uh, social media splitting people up, obviously. Um, and uh, one of the things I I have noticed as well is that if I had a strategy, if I was to describe my strategy to you up until this point, it would predominantly persist of, I was uh, in a fraternity in college and was president during my junior year, which obviously involved a lot of talking with sororities. I do want to give the impression I'm not, it's not like I'm afraid to talk to women. I'm afraid to talk to potential partners. Um, I obviously see women as perfectly equal and equitable partners in every way, just not in a not in any type of romantic relationship um, uh, in any way. I just cannot handle that. Um, but uh, my entire strategy would be uh, go go to a bar or restaurant. You know, usually we had events on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or a party on Saturday, get drunk enough so that I could be able to maybe push through and talk to someone, talk to someone, but not be able to capitalize on that. And I think definitely the situation with social media has based and the lockdowns by extension but i think permanently from now on basically there's going to be an assumption that uh, social media and dating apps are the main ways in which you meet people and that that's going to be the new filter through which all sort of relationships happen mm-hmm. I, I i have in quotes here i love that term you say capitalize on that and so if the challenge is Speaking to potential suitors, um, you know, and and using alcohol as a mechanism to lower the inhibitions ostensibly enough so that you can do that. Um, what what would what would the objective be? I mean, um, capitalize on that means what in your mind? Uh, I'll 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 give you the most extreme example, and this is personal, but not revealing any type of information. Please. I don't think. Please. Um, uh, when I was a, um, what you call a junior, uh, I was, had an internship in New York, um, for a well-known bank. Cause I thought I wanted to be a banker at the time. Uh, and I was staying in my, uh, grandmother's apartment. Obviously she is still very rich and she didn't use it, um, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And. I was out with a couple of friends from the women's side of our team, the women's equivalent of our team. Um, and one of the girls had texted me beforehand, said if I, if she could stay with me, cause she didn't want to take the train back home. I said, fine, no big deal. We're going to be out past the trains. So that makes perfect sense. She comes back to our apartment. Um, and I'm staying there with a friend of mine as well. And, uh, so it's two, two of us and her. And uh, I asked him to get something out of my room. And he comes back. He goes, um, she's, he goes, she's naked in there. And I go, that's not what I expected. Mm-hmm. And so I left the apartment. and didn't come back until the next day. <laughs> that was your, that, that was whose apartment? It was my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah interesting so, so like the, the idea the idea was i i don't know i i never i never asked about it i never tried to follow up in any way it was could would have been far too embarrassing yeah 
the basic the basic point is there was a girl who I was very friendly with on the other side on the other team Lars who we went out had a nice time she wasn't you know hammered or anything <laughs> I was a little drunk but not that drunk um, my friend says she was naked in there and so I was like I'm just not I'm just gonna leave <laughs> that's like that's ridiculous it's too much pressure it's it's insane. Yeah. Like I could, I, you can't handle that. It certainly can't handle that all at once. I don't think anyone should be held responsible for that. Right, and and so you know, I'm thinking, um, you know, when, I mean, that really does illustrate nicely, you know, this this challenge um, that you're that you're faced with, um, because on the one hand, there's sort of this societal expectation that you know, that uh, you know, being a uh, being a healthy young man, you know, you you should sort of shag any uh, anything that you have the opportunity to. Um, but on, right. on the other hand, you know, you you sound at least to be an entirely reputable, um, respectful young man who just, for lack of experience, doesn't have the know-how to, you know, to navigate these these types of situations. And um, you know, so back to the the the. To, to quote you and, and sort of capitalize on that, I guess it sounds like the objective is, you know, to, to put P and V, so to speak, and, you know, full, full on <laughs> intercourse, um, you know, which seems to me like, you know, a real challenge to go from, from zero to a hundred in, in a very, in, in, in a matter of seconds. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll even add to that a little bit because I think you're, you're right on the money about that, but I'll even put it pushed a bit further where, that never such a thing never occurred to me that that could be on the table let's put it that way. right i think the average man basically even if they're in a coma i think they're thinking i have a shot with that nurse <laughs> and and they're and they're sneakily constantly trying to not maybe not constantly maybe that's that's too harsh a thing but i think there's there's generally a, an opinion by most men where not only do they constantly think they have a chance but they're constantly trying to work whatever angle they can with whomever it doesn't matter mm -hmm. whereas for me never never crossed my mind that that would be remotely part of the the equation strategy. yeah yeah and i can i hear the the sense of um sort of intimidation or or apprehension um in having to move you know i mean that i i hear your your, your point is taken um um yeah i wonder I, you know, because this is this is a, a germane part of the conversation is sex, and um, it seems like you know intimacy is exists on a on a graduating scale. You know, it as you alluded to earlier, never even held a hand, and it seems like holding a hand should come before kissing, and and that should come before right. you know full on intercourse. Uh, you know, with all with all the all the steps in between. Um, so I, I want to steer this conversation towards maybe you're familiar or not. I don't know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and um, sex being one of the bottom expectations, you know, it's something that, that humans and, and animals uh, generally uh, require in life. It's a basic need of, of, of the human condition. And um, so following this logic of intimacy being on a, on a sliding scale, it seems like sex can exist from a, from, you know, also on that, on that continuum. Um, 
you know, going from sex with self to sex with another, or dare I say, even sex with many people um, at once or over a lifetime or whatever the case may be. I'm just trying to graduate, you know, this idea of what sex or intimacy even means in your mind. So you mentioned the idea of uh, of religion earlier, and you know we've talked about social media. And one type of social media out there having to do with sex is pornography. I wonder if you're willing to shed any light on your perspective of pornography and uh, and you know whether you acknowledge sex with oneself, um, you know, as 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 part of the process or or what you know your opinion on this generally. I, I don't think there can be anything redeemable that can be said for it. I think I think one of the grossest criticisms of of people who are are in cells is simply that, well, just hand them hand them pornography and they'll be okay. It is is you know I think that that is to fundamentally misunderstand the issue. Um, but as also a moral, you know, I am a, a religious Catholic and I have. Um, you know, not watched or consumed any type of pornographic media or done anything sex with oneself um, for years now. Maybe the occasional one, once a year at, at most um, in a time of particular weakness, maybe. But that is just simply not something that I've been doing for at least, you know, four, five years now. I guess we're talking about masturbation specifically. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, that be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I hope, I hope I'm not getting too personal, but that's, you know, much of what the Rex Crim show is all about. And there is a certain level of anonymity that you can enjoy, Mike. It's not like yeah. uh, anyone knows exactly who you are, but I think this is an important part of the conversation because uh, I tend to agree with, with your view um, that, you know, uh, in, in a lot of ways, pornography would be, would exasperate the problem even worse for anyone that hasn't, had much experience with sex, uh, certainly looking at some of the explicit material that's available on the internet would, would undoubtedly be misguiding and would give, uh, wrong impressions to say the least. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, I, I, like everything I see, I see these topics all existing on a, on a continuum. And, you know, I think internet porn, would be at one far extreme uh, of, you know, of, whereas, you know, erotic literature or even the the type of, of sex that sells in mainstream movies and cinema would be on, a, on another softer version of, of that same continuum. Um, yeah. I, 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 it, it sounds to me like your, your perspective, I, we have to acknowledge, you know, it sounds like you were brought up and in, in a religious um um, view and 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 I respect that entirely. In fact, I also grew up uh, going through the rites of passage uh, with in Catholicism. Although I don't practice now, but I I'm certainly familiar with the catechism and the and the moral um, um, objective, shall I say, the uh, the objectionable you know uh, seediness of of porn and smut, and um, I get that. Although. I guess I want to qualify this a, a little bit more because if it's true that you know that humans are 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 meant to enjoy you know sex as a basic right, then um, you know how do you how do you rectify 
this for, for oneself. I mean, um, being celibate, um, including not even sex with yourself, um, you know, what, how, how, how do you make sense of this, this outlet that would seem to be a natural part of being human? I think it's definitely, I'll even go broad as to say, I think it's an Anglosphere disease to think that every problem must have a solution or that we must always be searching for a solution. It is, it is clearly possible that this is, and statistically so, or I shouldn't say statistically so, but historically, genetically, it's provable that a portion of people have always not, um, not uh, passed their genes along at the minimum. I don't know if they ever had relationships, but they didn't pass their genes along. And I think the idea that there can be any type of, first of all, I'm suspicious that there could be any type of surrogate to the, to the idea that some radical people suggest things like that. And it's part of the reason why I reject all types of incel um, uh, recommendations for, you know, um, policy or, or anything of the sort is because they're always, I think, based on a presumption that there is some, something that a can be fixed and, and B must be, uh, in some way, whether that be as as you mentioned through uh, pornography or through or through anything else, for that matter. I mean, obviously there are some people who think that you must be going to prostitutes. Obviously, there are other people who think that going to prostitutes, for instance, doesn't count if you're if you go see a prostitute, you are still an incel, for instance. Um, uh, and I think I think that's actually true to a, to a large extent. Uh, specifically, I I put it that one of the key aspects that you're denied in in having a lack of intimacy that to my knowledge cannot be replicated under any morally valid framework is that you you receive an affirmation by another person that they like you with no other external baggage other than what you have um, they, they like who you are and that's that's an affirmation of who you are as a person um, in its entirety not just physical but obviously everything else your 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 upbringing your family your money everything obviously you can't separate it out mm-hmm. yeah this i mean uh, you know now we're getting into the philosophy of love and um you say you know the idea of affirmation and um you know i'm i'm grappling with this idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, for example, um, you know, the email that you and I have interacted with um, without being explicit about, you know, your email, uh, although maybe we can share it and you'll have dates lined up uh, uh, into next year. Or I don't know. <laughs> but for example, part of the email that you used to correspond with me does contain uh, the term incel in it. Um, is that uh, is that an email that you use, uh, you know, day to day and you know, likewise, you know, interacting on, on incel subreddits and 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 those who go as far as to using incel in their usernames and sort of identifying um, as an incel. You know, to to what extent does that hinder their prospects of not becoming an incel? In other words, you know, does adopting some of that dogma and that ideology create a closed loop that facilitates a self fulfilling prophecy? So. So that you know the belief is it's impossible anyone could could truly 
uh, love me or, or affirm, you know, love for me. I, I think you're probably right. I, I did set up that uh, e- email. Um, uh, it wasn't just for this. I've used it for other things, but all things in which, honestly, things which I've wanted to remain anonymous for, I used it sort of as a joke initially. Um, you know, you want you want to set up an email account, but you don't want to be spammed on your main. So that's what I had originally made it for. But uh, I think there's definitely something to be said as I mentioned earlier, there's something about the incel community that demands looks maxing, um, improving your looks to the highest extent to try and get out, to try and be the best you. The irony, I think, as you're pointing out, is that as you identify more with an incel and you learn more of the terminology, you learn more of the statistics, history, and personality aspects of of these things, you, one becomes uh, deeper involved to a way that is also hurtful. I'm not saying that the majority of insults myself either, because I don't think that any aspect of, of my state affects my personality at present. But it is undeniably true that being a part of it makes you aware of things that you might not usually care about. For example, before I was uh, an incel, I am an individual with red hair. I never would have thought that that having red hair was such a detrimental impact. Now I can't, you can't avoid that, that feeling. You can't not realize that feeling. You can't not think how much better it would be if you didn't have that thing. Sorry, to clarify, you're suggesting that because of um, some, how you see yourself in terms of deformity and, and red hair, uh, these are hindrances to you to, to use finding love? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so as you, as you become more identified as, as an incel or sort of just even just become more uh, informed, I literally think if you just learn the stuff, you're gonna, you're gonna start to identify in some way, unless you're very attractive, you're gonna, you're gonna pick out those things that you don't have that are rated as more attractive. But what, but, um, but again, there's that term attractive again. And, you know, we, we, we're trying to make sense and forgive me, uh, Mike, if I'm pressing you here, because I'm, I am just trying to play devil's advocate and I'm only interested really in your perspective. So I have to check myself if I am trying to, um, as you right, rightly pointed out, you know, trying to solve a problem here, um, I, that, that should not be my role. It's just to hear, hear you out. But part of that has to do with, playing devil's advocate and you're talking about attractiveness which earlier we we sort of agreed has a subjective element so do you make room for the possibility that that some um ideal partner is listening to this podcast right now and all of the things that you've described about yourself are ticking off their list and they're they just you know they're they're quite possibly just keen on wanting to get to know this mic on the other end of the line it's it's theoretically possible which is why I accept that there is a possibility that things may change. But I also understand the fact that if you look at any rating of, uh, I'll take the just simple example of the hair color because it's an easy one. Any rating of, of hair color will rank brown hair or black hair, usually it's relatively interchangeable, as the most attractive. And people will rank blondes as less attractive than that for men. Um, and red hair is less attractive than that, again, for men. If you look at rankings of women, men tend to rate blonde women as most attractive than brown hair, than black hair, than red hair, again. So uh, 
I, I agree that there is a principle that it could be completely and, and that it is individually subjective. But I don't think that in any way absolves the broader trends where it simply will be harder, potentially much harder to find someone who likes that trait about you. And again, obviously they're all taken in aggregate. I would, I would like to think the fact that I am uh, a, a lawyer or will very soon be a lawyer would balance out something like that, but it hasn't thus far. And I haven't um, really seen many examples to the contrary. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just can't help but wonder, you know, t- to what degree this plight that you're faced with is one um, that you affirm in 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 these views, much of which are based on aggregate and statistical premises and and fallacies, uh, versus you know, uh, in the back of your mind, sort of knowing that there could be social situations where you're maybe better capitalizing or or better uh, pushing that comfort zone, which would lead to growth. Um. Yeah, well, I think I think there's definitely something to be said that if you're aware of the statistics uh, behind things, it definitely makes things more difficult. I, I I don't think that's because once you're aware of it, you really cannot become unaware of these facts. Once you know that, for instance, most women have a preference for men to be above six foot or five inches taller than them, both are quite common. Um, it makes it very hard if you realize that most women aren't five inches shorter than you, or you're not six foot. Uh, it, it, there's, there's definitely an element where the uh, objective knowledge that it is true uh, hurts you in this way where someone subjectively could still like you, but it doesn't. You, you can't, cap, you can't um, manage to put that into action. Mm-hmm. Well, I... Um... Earlier, you you had uh, spoken a little bit about family, and uh, you mentioned a sibling that you reside with. Um, I, I wonder who else in in person you have these, um, dare I say, intimate conversations with. Uh, I mean, y- you and I know each other very very little. Uh, you know, we're strangers to each other, and yet we've sat down and and touched on some pretty close. Uh, and, and intimate topics. Um, what is your, you know, what are your close companions, sex aside, you know, siblings and family and friends? Uh, what are the conversations that you have with them look and sound like? Well, I am blessed to have grown up in a family where something like this would have never been talked about in a million years, uh, <laughs> which is always very pleasant um, to not have to discuss these things. Um, if one doesn't wish to, that isn't to say that I couldn't have, but is it, is it pleasant or is it just more comfortable to not acknowledge it? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I would say, I would say it's pleasant. I would say there's definitely an element of it that, that is pleasant because someone else can't do these, these sorts of things for you. And it really doesn't help very much to have the, the worry about the situation be spread. Um, if you never talk about relationships, you know, Full, full stop. Uh, one never worries that their, you know, son or brother or whatever uh, doesn't have a relationship. It's he has one. He just won't, doesn't tell us about it unless it's you know really serious. It's that sort of conversation, which I think is quite common, by the way. 
Um, in terms of, yeah, so obviously, as well as in my um, friendship relationships, I uh, once made the mistake of, of saying I, I uh, had a crush on a girl in high school and learned very quickly that that was never the sort of thing that, that one should do, um, simply because it opens one up to all sorts of manner of teasing. And this is just the nature of, of obviously being an adolescent. But um, that obviously stuck with me. It's like, well, you just that's just not the sort of thing that you want to do. Um, if some if everyone else is having a conversation about um, how much they like some some girl or how pretty someone is, just don't say anything. Just keep your keep your nose down on that topic. Um, and obviously that carried over into um, uh, college and later graduate school. And if you keep not having the conversations, um, there there are two things that I suspect, basically. Um, one, people assume and don't have the conversation because they assume you're doing all right. They sort of think, oh, well, he just keeps our friendship life, you know, on the team or in the fraternity or whatever it may be, separate from his social um, relationship life. Uh, same with family. Um, or the second alternative, which is a worse alternative that I'm I, I would be less pleased to find out if this is the way they think, uh, where they they think, well, we're not going to ask him about uh, who he's dating because we know that's not going to be a fun conversation because we know no one's dating him. Right. right. So, so unfortunately, it's either one of those two options. Or, or possibly a third that you haven't considered. Well, I mean, what, what, what would you think a... a, a uh, reason for why such a conversation wouldn't show. I, I don't know, um, but I, I certainly open my my. I, I'm open to the possibility that there's always another perspective that hasn't been thought of. And you know, being focused in law and uh, the st statistician uh, that that you've presented yourself as, uh, I think you know one of the biases that I'm hearing in in your explanations is that you see the world um, in in terms of objectivity and, and uh, in terms of aggregate numbers and likelihoods. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's something more to be said about, um, I, I, I guess I, I want to tie it back to this idea of being vulnerable, you know, vulnerability. Um, it's perhaps more pleasant or more comfortable to not have the conversation with your folks or with your friends or fraternity um, fellas, because, you know, it would be uncomfortable, it would be unpleasant, certainly if teasing um, became a part of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if there's something to be said about that being a basis of, of exercise, you know, finding opportunities to become vulnerable and purposefully pushing that comfort zone, um, which leads to resilience and, and self-growth. Um, yeah, I'm ranting now, but well, well, the, 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 there is obviously another. There are many other alternatives. I'll admit there also is the alternative that maybe they're having these conversations and just not including you in them, right? Maybe they're just speculating on their own time. But uh, as as to your question about you know, well, wouldn't it be better if you had these sort of conversations? Um, you know, wouldn't it be better to sort of have this? Obviously, one aspect is I I don't particularly want to be a uh, burden on people and obviously when i was a when i was much younger um 
the, the motivation for not having these conversations is almost entirely academic. It's like, I want to study, therefore I won't have a girlfriend. Therefore, if anyone asks me, I'll just laugh it off as a joke. Very different motivation. But again, like I think we discussed earlier, there is a, a series of compounding results here. And by the time you're at this age, nobody wants to have a conversation that goes, you know, and, and this is, I want to also say, most incels don't have all that many friends. I think I am, I find, consider myself blessed with the number of friends I do have, but uh, that's also another barrier for a lot of other people. But if you consider the friends that I do have, even those ones who are very close and dear friends of mine do not want to have a conversation going, really? You really want to have, you, you really want to be shot down 10 times at a bar and you want, you want me to come with you and, and, and do this sort of situation? Do you really need me to walk you through uh, the five opening liners to keep your, uh, your, your bumble match from not ending the conversation, right? These are sort of situations where most people's assumptions uh, are heavily skewed towards you've already figured this out. Uh, so I, I think that's a huge aspect of why one shouldn't have these conversations, especially at a later point in life, because you're really placing a large amount of responsibility and a large amount of backlogged work onto them, which is rude. Well, uh, yeah, but on the contrary, you're, you know, we've spent this time already, you know, quite a bit of time and you're speaking with a total stranger with genuine curiosity, um, you know, about this topic. And uh, I, I don't know, I want to challenge that self-talk a little bit. I wonder if that's, you know, a, a bit of a, a little bit fallacious um, or, you know, a, a mistaken belief in, in, in one's mind, um, your mind specifically, if, if you think that it's a burden to talk about, you know, these subjects of, of, of being vulnerable, essentially. Well, I'll, I'll put it like this. If, it, you know, you're also at, at arm's distance there. You've got to remember that. Sure. <laughs> a safe distance. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, um, I wonder there's, there's this idea that I wonder about, I wonder if you can shed any light on this, you know, it sounds like you're a devout or practicing Catholic, um, which is, you know, in, in terms of an, in, not to have a negative connotation, but you, to use the term indoctrination again, you know, there is this sort of, um, um, you know, the, the idea of celibacy, uh, certainly until marriage is is upheld and it's uh, it's a it's a standard um, of that religion and yet we find ourselves in a culture in western society that seems to rather value the kill count to use a, a gross term or the amount of you know people sexual partners <laughs> yeah. that you've had how do you make sense of that discrepancy well i, I don't think it's really a uh a clear discrepancy i think it's just different people valuing um, different things at least um i do I, 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 if, if I was asked, if someone was like, I, I bet you you're a virgin, which, which has happened to me before, um, before COVID started, uh, this is around January. I was at a, uh, concert, um, in, uh, Webster hall and, uh, a girl who couldn't have been a, a teenager, you know, very, very young, maybe 17, 18, something like that. You know what I mean? She goes, uh, are you a virgin? And my response was, well, of course, I'm a Catholic, but it was unsettling how, how she could, could tell. Uh, so, so I do like that the Catholic Church does allow you to have that sort of out, if you will. Um, but uh, you're, you're definitely right that there exists a, a, wide, a massive gulf 
between these two situations. And the unfortunate thing is it isn't um, any consolation to those people who are more devout. Um, and even those who aren't, there are many, there are plenty of people who I think um, make mistakes and, and fall victim to, to a, a false idea of, of a, a cheapening of sexual relations, just becoming too maybe hedonistic. I think it's possible that that, that can become problematic. But there are people who obviously come back and, and realize their mistakes and obviously end up having um, loving monogamous relationships and families for you know decades. So I, I don't think there's any real uh, inherent disagreement in at least Catholic doctrine on that on that matter. I mean, half of the people at our congregation show up to uh, show up to mass relatively hungover, and I'm sure probably not with the best of morals the night before. But the point is they're there, uh, and that's the most important part of it. I don't think, I, I don't think there's an inherent disagreement. I'm no. I'm fascinated by this anecdote of a young lady sussing you out. Um, can you shed any more light on that? I mean, sure. That sounds kind of jarring. And uh, how do you think that she could tell? I honestly have have no no idea. Admittedly, it's it's something I, I like to do. So I, I keep a relatively busy schedule, not overly busy, but and if I if someone is like, uh, you know, if I'm like, I want to go to a concert, I will just buy the tickets and then I'll, I'll, um, you know, ask any of my friends or any groups of friends who want to go after the fact. Um, so I was at this concert alone. So that could have been part of it um, because I just couldn't muster people to go on a Thursday night. Uh, and uh, so I was standing sort of in the back, but that's also because I'm very tall. I don't like to block everyone's view. Uh other than that, I have no idea how this individual knew. But the fact that they knew was, I, I, I can't really emphasize how unsettling it was. I, I assume it's coming across, but it is, it's very disturbing. It's almost, it's almost as if someone came up to you and recited your um, social security or your debit card number or something. <laughs> it felt a bit like a, a creepy magic trick. It was like a, an open secret that somehow was... Uh was read right out of your personal diary or something. Yeah. That, I mean, that's exactly what it was like. And, it, and in such a public place as well, it is, uh, was obviously greatly uh, demoralizing. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder uh, as a follow-up, um, you know, it, it, again, forgive me if I seem like I'm pressing here, but you know, there, there's, there's a com there's a level of comfort for you in being able to rely on your religion as a, uh, as an explanation for, uh, for your virginity. So uh, to follow up, what would it look like for you to have to explain to this young lady why it is that you're a virgin without Catholicism as, uh, as an explanation? Well, admittedly, I think if you're in that situation and you don't have your religion as an answer, you probably just lie, right? You say you're wrong and, and don't give them the satisfaction of somehow clocking you. Um, I assume it, it probably happens to um, homosexual men or women who are closeted. I assume every now and again, they might get um, not outed, but you know what I mean? Uh, uh, spotted and someone might come up to them and they're like, how did you know? You know, so, something sort of like this. So I, I don't think it's, it's really all that uh, deep, but in terms of not having an answer, you, you just can't answer. You just can't give anyone who would ask that question any sort of value over, uh, over yourself. 
<laughs> because it's a it's a meaningless statement for that. <laughs> or is it an opportunity to to sort of own your own vulnerability, I wonder? Well, what would in your mind owning vulnerability in that circumstance mean? Well, I I don't know. Um there's something I guess I'm wondering about, you know, what it would look like to go off script and to just um, to just be your genuine self and, you know, even to come back and and say something along the lines of, yeah, I'm an incel, uh, you know, regrettably, but maybe tonight that can change. I, I think even if one was speaking with one's friends, uh, one would find it very difficult to say Yes, I, I, yes, I am a virgin, much less an incel. Because um, first of all, I, as I think we've mentioned before, incel has these other connotations which may or may not be just, or probably justified. Um, but even just saying to your friends, like for instance, I would say that 0% of my friends at law school know that I am a virgin in and of itself. Um, so to even have that conversation with them would be, I, I don't understand how how such a thing would even remotely go and what the benefit of it would be far less stranger. I think the idea that you could be coy about it, like you said, and say, well, you know, maybe I could change. I don't think that's the type of conversation people are, are having or thinking to have when they. Yeah. Granted, granted, you know, maybe a concert with a, with what sounds like a, you know, an adolescent girl herself, uh, you know, maybe that isn't the best opportunity to, 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 um, to seek, you know, this, this vulnerability, but I, I, I can't help but wonder if there's some um, talk that does not serve you. Uh, because I, I think we can agree. It sounds like intimacy is something that you would like to have, but for what, for whatever reason, you find yourself in a position where it's statistically unlikely or just hasn't happened yet. And, um, you know, part of me wonders if, if just finding opportunities to practice that vulnerability and, and own it, I, that's something that you'll have to answer, I guess. But uh, I'm thinking a future episode would be very, very cool on, on the Rex Crim Show if you were to come back uh, in, in whatever amount of time and to be able to share about your success in, uh, in you know, um, e- evolving the situation into one that's perhaps more satisfying well i'd be happy to but again i don't i don't uh hold much much hope there and i really don't hold much hope that even talking with other people you know would have would have much benefit either I, I really as as a general rule am quite opposed to the idea that uh somehow you're gonna sit down have some sort of chit chat um you know which is why i'm sort of um you know very bearish on, on therapy as a whole um they're just going to have some chat they're going to go oh well the all you need to do is is xyz um and you'll be fine i i I really don't believe that partially because i believe there's this physical element you're you're physically repulsive in in xyz ways and b i believe that there's just there's a simple time element to it like there will never be an ability to have those previous conversations. Like I said, the way you talk about intimacy is probably accurate, but the kind of um, conversations that you're discussing are typically had by kids who are 12 to 16 years old. 
in general. And so, and so I'm hearing that you don't feel like you fit into the aggregate norm, if you will. You feel like you're deviating from that standard. Uh, y- yes. And then obviously, uh, incre- increasingly so to a certain extent, obviously time only moves in one direction. And, uh, you know, there's a, there, there's a, it's only going one way and you're only getting, getting worse as time goes on, not, yeah so you know again it it makes me wonder you know um you know is your orientation well i i I guess i i wonder you know how then does that become resolved you know is there is there not some means to go about testing these these beliefs that you have or at least challenging them uh you know i like the term therapy that you've used there not necessarily in terms of having a, a therapist but would it not be therapeutic, do you think, to, to, to practice intimacy in the way that you're doing it anonymously with me even, um, having those conversations and testing that comfort level by, by pushing yourself uh, slightly, ever so gently, pushing that comfort zone so that eventually, slowly but surely, you capitalize on the ability to, to, to extend that comfort zone um, vis-a-vis having conversations with trusted friends about virginity or about, you know, um, about these, these issues as you see them? Well, I think that generally stem, genuinely stems on, or I should say hinges on, whether or not uh, we accept the problem as being a, uh, the non-looks-based part of the problem as being skills-based or being some level of, you know, I, I, I like I liked your hesitancy to say therapy, but psychotherapeutic um, aspect where simply talking about the issue will somehow resolve the issue, or is it strictly a skills-based issue where your inability to, um, let's say, know what to say in those first to take just the easy example, know what to say in the first five Bumble messages. Let's say that that's some metric of of how many people you have a chance with, whatever. Um, I think to skew it in a psychoanalytical way where the problem is somehow uh, my fault for, I don't want to say that you're implying that it's my fault, but to say that it's somehow my fault or could be rectified by having these relatively vaguer conversations about um, personal failures of intimacy would somehow lead to successes I find as, as not as compelling as the simpler, um, a simpler explanation, which would just be that it's a skills-based problem, that you never practiced these skills. You probably at this point will never be able to acquire them. Um, as a result of being unable to acquire them, you're probably going to be stuck with this situation. Mm-hmm. That, that, dare I say, that sounds a more pleasant and comfortable explanation of, of this plight that you find yourself because it in the end leaves you without much choice. Well, well, I think that's definitely true. And I think there's definitely an element of, of being an incel for everyone who says that they are, that they enjoy the fact that they've got a nice clean label um, that they belong to. um, And that explains them. But I think it's also true that, um, you know, whether it's the looks-based part of it or the skills-based part of it, the looks you can at least turn back, obviously, to a certain extent. If you're 50, you're never going to look like a 20-year-old again. It's just, that's just a fact. 
but um, at least for right now, I'm, I'm able to improve my looks. But improving the skills, you're just talking about a time-based based measure. I mean, it might be possible to, you know, five years of, of high school um, stammering with one year of professional help, maybe, to take just a hypothetical. Um, but I find that highly unlikely. I find it very much the case that, you know, if I was going to a member of my law group, let's say, and on the on the request of, say, having a conversation with a couple of my friends saying, hey, you should really, you know, talk to Anna, made up name. Um, well, I think the problem is you don't have the experience to do that. You just don't have those skills. And I think uh, you're right to maybe say that it's a bit of a cop-out, but there's no clear and obvious way for me to see how, how you would be able to progress without squaring that circle to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I hear the, I hear your, um, I hear your plight and um, I sympathize with it because it sounds in, you know, forgive me if I'm being presumptuous, but it does sound like there's a level of hopelessness here. I think the level of hopelessness is, is innate to, to, to an incel environment. Yes. Um, but, uh, but I am, I am, generally optimistic not in any specific way but i do i do feel that there's there's a chance it could happen i am particularly upset obviously by the um uh by the the online dating thing i think makes it a bit tougher than it than it within it once was or uh, i think i had more hope if you were to ask me in 20 you know 2019 or, or, or 2020 just before the pandemic i probably had more hope then than i do now i feel definitely much more um, less optimistic. Yeah. You're yeah. more stuck uh, based on the circumstances. Yeah, well, your options are just have been narrowed considerably. But as, as someone uh, wiser than I once said to me, you know, there are things in life that we can control and there are things that we can't. And, um, you know, I, I, I would like to think that focusing on the things within your control, and, uh, as you've described, you know, looks, max looking, uh, look maxing, sorry, and uh, perhaps um, I think you'd mentioned an upcoming surgery, and I'm I'm wishing you all the best in in these attempts. Uh, although, you know that type of intervention seems um, extreme compared to you know having a, a, a an honest conversation with oneself, and and by virtue of that, having a conversation with a trusted other, um, and 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 you know, practicing those skills of intimacy through conversation and through, by being vulnerable. Um, yeah. And, and maybe that's rhetorical. And I hope, uh, I hope. I think that's skewed the question in an interesting way, hasn't it? I mean, you, you started off by saying that you think it's, you shouldn't worry about the things you can't control, but should worry about the things you can control. I think it's arguable that you can control both things, but you seem to place less credence on my taking responsibility for the things I can control. But seem to be uh, a little bit more critical of not having conversations which might or might not have an effect. I mean, I, I think it's open to question whether um, talking about how you've been alone for your, for your entire adult life uh, with other people transfers to a broader success. Whereas I think it's obvious how 
getting a surgery improves your looks. Yeah. I think yeah, that's an obvious case. So I find that very strange that you put it that way. Yeah. Well, I well forgive me if if that comes across as crass or or rude. I uh, I the reason that you know this shows come to exist is because I have a keen interest in knowing the perspective of others, and uh, maybe it is egocentric of me to put my the way I see the world onto you, and um, because this is a uh, as I see it, an opportunity for me to to better understand your perspective. So I am more than anything thankful for you being coming on here and being authentic and and genuine and uh, telling telling us the world as you see it. Um, so that leads me to a, you know a couple of final final questions um, based on on all of this so far. Then, do you think that that people are that there are preconditions or that people are destined to become incel? Or do you think that it's a matter of circumstance? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's both as as with anything um, to a certain extent. Again, if I'm thinking on a sliding scale, how much of it is um, hereditary and destiny, and how much of it is um, circumstance that that they fell into, um, uh, I, I, I would hate to put a number on it but people want a number obviously so i would say it can't be more than than uh five percent are pure hereditary people um but the the number of people who are in some way suckered into it is is at least 10 to 15 percent and if i mean uh, uh, the statistics in america are such that statistically last year 20 percent of men didn't have um, uh, sex, and fifty percent of men had no uh, part, steady partner that they saw from. Uh, so, the the problem is widespread, but the problem of being an incel is not widespread. That there's a there's a narrower group that is uh, in the, in the community that phrases true cell, uh, really. But um, and then there's a wider group that sort of. I think suffers greatly from being a part of it. So is, is a true cell, is that a, a term that resonates with you? Um, I'm, I'm tr- mindful of how I should title this uh, episode. And I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, insight of an incel. Um, what do you think is the most appropriate label that, that you would accept? I think that's, that's pretty good. I think true cell is generally used in a sort of uh, one-upsmanship way where someone will say, uh, your your fake cell because you're, for instance, uh, tall. Some will say, "No, I'm a true cell." That's typically the way it's used. Um, it's very rarely, you know. Some people will say, oh, "You know, listen to me, I'm a true cell." So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that many people um, take the true cell label unless it's to antagonize others. So I wouldn't I wouldn't use it personally about myself, uh, even though I think it's. it's it's probably true. One of the things that maybe people listening uh, still might have a burning desire to know, as I do, is why it is that you agreed to come on this show and have this conversation. What benefit do you think uh, will come of it? Well, from a purely selfish sort of standpoint, um, the the incel community is full of a lot of weird, very bad representatives. Um and that's not to be insulting to them, but there are just large numbers of people who mistake other failings for for these ones. And I think that's all of it is just a mistake. 
and the result is they paint the even even like people who will become spokespersons will be um very bad representatives and they're bad for all sorts of reasons right sometimes people who go on for instance there have been people on cnn and other major news networks um, and they have a tendency to be decently attractive and as a result people are thinking well it must be all in their head because this guy was attractive that they got on cnn but you know cnn shopped around they 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 knew that the person wasn't going to jump on the air and shout explicit, uh, explicit, explicit. They're in the business um, of, of looks yeah. and vision. Yes. So of course they're going to do a bit of um, screening. Uh, and, and, but so I, I felt it was, it was um, slightly my, my duty to um, present someone who's not a total um, in that case to be insulting, obviously. Um because uh, I, I don't think of myself as it. I, I think the majority of people who are um, incels, both either in fact, whether they, they it identify it or as people who are identified, I, the majority are just very normal workaday people um, who it's not really an everyday part of their lives, like, like it isn't for me. It's just something that exists. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that that perspective was seen. I really didn't want... Uh, someone to be coming on the show who is going to be like, well, look, the key thing about incels is a deep burning hatred for for women. I felt like that would be a a very negative uh, a view of the situation and, and wouldn't be very factually based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've um, you've done justice, I think, in coming on here and being able to take a moderate um, perspective, one that I, I didn't, I, I had, uh, you know, preconceptions coming into this conversation. I was not expecting uh, someone with such insight and, um, and, you know, appreciation for their, their circumstances. Indeed, you know, this conversation has been around involuntary uh, celibacy. Um, but I, I think we would agree that, you know, you are much more than just uh, an incel. I mean, that might be part of uh, the identity that resonates with you. Um, although, you know, you're, you're a, a number of other things, you know, as we've touched on, a, a, you know, a, a religious uh, person, um, you know, a, a person that values law uh, and, and probably order as well. Um, you know, there's, there's much more to you than just this small snippet uh, that, you know, uh, we, we seem to be living in today by by virtue of social media and all the small fragments of information that are floating around out there. So I am entirely thankful for your time and for your insight. And uh, as we're wrapping up here, I wonder if you can share, uh, you, you alluded to uh, having an upcoming opportunity abroad and you're going to be uh, enjoying some forthcoming life experience what does the future have in store for you mike um well obviously in, in terms of uh, the incel situation the best best thing going is i have a uh, rhinoplasty surgery to get my uh, nose slimmed down a little bit uh, uh as my doctor puts it uh <laughs> putting it on a diet um but uh so that's obviously very nice i will uh get to be uh heading over to study in oxford and work for my firm which will obviously be a lot of work uh which will be another great excuse for me to uh you know ignore not having any uh type of relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> but um yeah so at least for the next uh year and a half to two years 
um, I will be over in uh, London, obviously, and it, you know, that will be very, uh, very enjoyable, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And if I'm if I'm bold enough to suggest that you know any potential suitor that comes from this candid conversation you've had with me today, what's what uh, what shall we do? I'll just encourage them to reach out to me, and I'll and I'll vet them along and pass them on to your. Uh, to your email account or is there any handle or, or um, um, you know, website or anything that you want to plug? Uh, if, if folks were interested, do you, you know, are you receptive to, to having uh, contact from them or um, shall we just keep it as anonymous? And I mean, you're, you, I mean, I don't have anything linked to that uh, email account, so That's, that's fine to give out, but uh, everything, uh, you know, everything else, I, I will say funnily enough, it's like uh, if anyone ever sees any benefit from this particular person uh, or particular character or things that I've said, it's what makes the feeling of uh, it being a, an incel more acute is, is what I found is that people who actually are very, very deformed, or for instance, what would be um, your typical, so to speak, uh, they don't feel it as acutely as people who are more normal. It's, it really is the people who are, seem like, oh, well, you're such a normal type of person who feel the most acutely because that's what makes the, the sadness all that much or the, the absence all that much worse. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I would like to think that love is blind and, um, you know, in, in, in some way, you know, you've demonstrated courage coming on here and, uh, and speaking out to this plight as you see it. And, um, you know, I'm wishing you all of the, all of the best. I don't know if luck is the right term here, uh, but you know, I, I, uh, I hope that you find what it is that you're looking for in life, and um, I sincerely encourage you reaching out, Mike, uh, in future. By all means, connect with me uh, or anyone listening, for that matter, at the the Rex Crim Show at gmail.com. Um, let's you know keep in touch. Uh, uh, if you're willing, and by all means, reach out uh, with an update. If you if you care to come on again, uh, I'd welcome you with open arms. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I would look forward to it. Why not? Uh, if you're ever looking for another episode, I'll be happy to happy to pitch in. Right on. Well, I'll, I'm uh, yeah. Again, wishing you all the best. Thanks for coming on, Mike, and uh, take care. Bye.